Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks very much for joining us on this episode. My guest this week is Asa Elder. He is head of sales at a company called Lucia.co and he is based in beautiful Tel Aviv, Israel. Asa, I would say good morning because that's where it is for me, but it's good evening for you. Almost dinner time. How are things? Things are great. Uh, it is evening. I'm uh, in my home office. The kids are screaming at the back. As usual. Well, listen, it's been one of those years. Well, listen, say hi to everybody and provide a quick intro, and then we'll uh, we'll get into your story here. Great. So, uh, hi, everybody. My name is Asa, and I actually live in a kibbutz outside of uh, Tel Aviv. I work in Tel Aviv I, as a head of sales at, in, at Lusha. Lusha is a B2B contact information database, and we have phone numbers and emails on people over the world. Um, so, And um, that's pretty much what we do. Um I go to work twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. That's what my wife uh, letting me do. She's pregnant, and she says that if I get corona, she'll be very upset. Therefore, uh, only twice a week and only with a mask. Uh, and these are the rules these days, as you probably all know. Well, listen, I, I know you're a dad, and I know I didn't know your wife was expecting, so I really appreciate you freeing up the time to, to chat with us because uh, you're, you're stretched pretty thin. So, uh, so let's, <laughs> let's move into uh, this episode with you then because I'm looking forward to your story because it's a, it's a meandering path that you've had uh, in your career. And, but I do want to touch on 2020. You talked about you know, working and uh, you know, you're working from home. You're working twice a week. Your wife's pregnant. COVID. Uh, and, you know, I'm over here in North America. And so, Asa, what's it been like in, in Israel with, with, what's, with really what's happened since March and since COVID has come to the forefront? How has it impacted you personally and professionally? And just share with us how you're feeling as we move into September here. Yeah, I would love to. So it started in December and everybody were in shock that all of a sudden we're not going to work. Um, especially me, I'm a very people's person. I like to come in the morning, get my whole team around and uh, say my good mornings and joke around. And I, the people that work for me are the same. A lot of, uh, a lot of their day are, is spent with other people and all of a sudden they had to be alone. It was a big challenge. Uh, but we overcome this challenge, I think. Um, they were trained well. My guys knew exactly what to do. They came, uh, they woke up in the morning. We checked every morning. We had a meeting. We checked that everybody woke up to work. And it's kind of not my style to be a micromanager, but we had to do that. We each talked about what is the goals of the day and uh, what sales are pending and what we think is going to close this week. And we just started working. We have systems these days like uh, Salesforce, Salesloft, that will monitor how many calls my guys did or how many Zoom meetings. And I can actually join their Zoom meetings. I joined more Zoom meetings this uh, past four or five months that I have uh, in previous years, just to see the Zoom monitor and just to make sure that everybody's uh, up to par with, their, um, with our team goals. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, for the most part, it sounds like uh, you, you've weathered the storm and, and figured out a way to adjust to the new norm. 
And then, of course, you know, on the personal front, you shared with us that your wife is expecting and then you have to have that. And, you know, I shared with you off off record here that, you know, my wife is a nurse and we certainly had our balance of the early days back in March of trying to put social distancing in the house with the two kids and trying to figure that out. And anyways, I'm glad to hear that uh, that everybody's OK and, and maybe we're moving forward with this thing as we as we move into uh, September here. And so, Asa, with that said, uh, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to go here? Sure. Okay, so let, let's um, go back to uh, maybe your early 20s, uh, maybe when you were first starting your career. Uh, Asa, where were you and uh, what were you up to, uh, you know, back in your early days? Great. So I'll, I'll go even uh, earlier than that. Okay. As an Israeli, uh, you go with taking to the army for three years. And after the army... All Israelis, what they do, and I guess it's the pressure of the three years of the army, we go travel abroad. Uh, we go to South America, we go to India. Um, a lot of people go to Australia. And in order, and in order to do that, you need to save money. Mm. So uh, we come, a lot of people come to the States on a working visa. It's very temporary, six months usually. And they come, save money, and then go abroad. I did the opposite thing. I started with a trip. I went a, a full year in South America just to even things out in life after the army. And then I moved to Los Angeles where I had a friend there and I started working in sales. I sold cell phone accessories. Uh, and in 2002, I sold Bluetooth car phone, actually. <laughs> Which at, at the most. time would have been cutting edge, right? It not only was a cutting edge, in 2002, 2003, they started with all these laws that you cannot speak on the phone and drive. And it was like a great time for uh, car phones. Yeah. Uh, that's how I found myself. I started going, I started really liking sales. I knew that I'm pretty good at it. All my life, people told me that I'm good at sales. And then I started going to lectures. For example, I went to a Jordan Bearford lecture 2002. I didn't even know who he was, but somebody told me he listened to this cassette because we had cassette on the way to work on in the car. Uh, we were listening to tapes um, and I saw and I really liked it. And I decided to open my own. So I started open with a friend. We opened about 30 locations all over the states, five different states, uh, Los Angeles, uh, California, Hawaii. North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, all that area. And that's where, by the way, I met my wife in Northern Virginia. I did that for a few years. It was a good business, very demanding. Um, and years, three years later, I sold my business and moved to Israel. I wanted to study in my own language. I also uh, just uh, got married in 2006 and I had a Jewish wife. And I want her to really connect with her roots mm. and uh, learn the language and be a bit closer to my friends and family. But I think mainly studying in Hebrew, studying in my own language is just easier. Was that, a, was that a difficult transition back to Israel for you and even for your wife to move there? Was it a long process? What was involved with that? So on those days, we didn't have kids. As soon as uh, we decided to move it took about two weeks oh really we bought plane ticket sold our apartment um it threw away a bunch of stuff and then we moved to israel uh, i wanted to make it in time to start a new uh the year in college at 2007 i was a bit old i was a bit older 
Uh, I was 27 at the time. So I didn't go after the army and then start school. I actually started my career and then went to school. I started business in law. I thought it would be benefit from, uh, it'll benefit me as far as business-wise. And it was. These were great years for me. I didn't really work. I lived in Tel Aviv. I ran marathons, um, traveled the world. Because studying is nice, but it's not that demanding after you are you, you own your own business. You understand that. Sure. It's not the end of the world if you're not going to get 100 in it. Like A plus and everything, it's okay to finish uh, with B and live a little. Um, so Asa, talk to me wo- about your time when you're when you're in school. So you're right, you know, it's you're not exactly old at 27, but you're not a, a freshman either. You're not 18. You're not 19. You're you're established. You're now an adult, and your decision to go back to school. You, you, you leave the U.S. to go back to Israel. You're married. You have a wife who is unfamiliar with the country. And so this is a, a huge step for her. How did you survive um, th- that period w- without working? And you were just in school and you, there must have been all kinds of new things going on for you and your wife. Talk to me about that period and the ups and downs uh, uh, of it. Great. So at the time, by the way, um, if you came with dollars, and that's what I did, I tried, worked for four years and I saved a lot of money in the United States. We came with dollars to Israel, you're pretty much okay. Also, my wife um, started working in tech as a content writer. 2007, there were not a lot of Americans in Israel, not a lot of foreigners in Israel. Mm. And there's still a big need for uh, English speakers in uh, the tech world, especially for content writing. My wife is an amazing writer, um, and she went to the tech world very, very early. And I think that helped us financially and calmed me down. I didn't have some businesses in the United States or try to do something in the United States while I was in school, but didn't work. You can't really manage uh, a business uh, remotely. So I dropped it. It was fine. It was really clear. Clarity. I got a lot of clarity. I ran a lot. I did a lot of sports. Again, traveled the world. Was great. Okay, so so you're going down a path now of law and business administration, and that helps you. Uh, you're back in Israel. Uh, have you been in Israel since you moved back? Um, or, or did you talking or, about between? Yeah. Or have, like, so since 2007, yeah. when you moved back, or did, have you moved around since 2007? Yeah, I'm going back and forth uh, Israel and United States all the time. We were actually meant to come back from the states because my wife is American. Mm. So we're supposed to come back right now uh, from the States after spending three weeks in the States, but we canceled that because of COVID, uh, which is a shame. Okay. But yeah, we are always back and forth. And so did, have, did you move back to the U.S. at any time after your schooling? Right, yes. You did? So 2011, I, the day I finished school, um, I moved back. I moved back to the United States and I started living in New York. I had a friend that told me that he knows a guy that uh, um, opened a moving company and there's a, a lot of potential. I was 30 and uh, all I was thinking about is uh, money. I wanted to make money at that time. So 31, so I said, okay, fine, open a moving company. I don't know anything about moving. Sounds like a very difficult business, but it's a no brainer. I'll do it. Like it's not. Uh, difficult uh, as far as it sounds physically difficult, but I don't think it's very difficult 
mentally, mm. and I was wrong. It's very difficult mentally, especially in New York. I was going to say uh, New York, exactly. It's a it's a very pressure, high pressure environment. You catch people in a very high pressure position when they move in apartments and everything is going wrong and it's just a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And so how long did but you and your wife stay in New York? We stayed for about five years. Wow. It was actually, it was actually good. It was good business. What we did there, um, is we started when I, we started the moving company when i opened the moving company we advertised in google and it was that was 2011 we had a we spent seven thousand dollars a month on advertisement which is sounds like in the tech world it's a little in the low tech world it's a lot mm. but the return was not good enough i see we were competing with other so the keywords cost $120 every click. every click. Yeah. It was very, very high. So I was thinking about ways to get out of the this uh, marketing model. And I started targeting, and this is where I learned how to do outbound, I think. I started targeting big um, brokers firm, rental firms, like City Habitat, Keller Williams, hmm. Douglas Selliman. And I started with City Habitat and we climbed up all the way to the president of City Habitat. We actually kind of uh, was waiting for him outside, uh, the, outside his uh, office. And it was a lot of encounters, uh, quote unquote, that we did in order to get a meeting with him. We got a meeting with him and I could reach an exclusivity with City Habitat in New York. So I gave 10% off to each broker, uh, to each move that came from, to the client, to each move that came from City Habitat. And I gave 10% of the move to each broker that mm. gave me a new client. Smart. And I had a returning fee with, uh, with them. But that $7,000 that went on marketing became a part of my, um, it was a fixed cost, right? Became one of my, part of my marginal cost, meaning... I just paid for every move that I got. So I'm curious about your decision to move on because five years in New York tells me that you were able to turn the corner and establish something. It's, a, it's an expensive city to live in. There's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of competition there. And so for you to survive there for five years tells me, all right, this guy figured something out. Why leave? Why come back to Israel? It's a great question. The moving business was great. Uh, I closed the exclusivity with Douglas Seliman and Keller Williams in New York. We did not advertise. We had about a revenue of $2 million where the storage that brought in a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I didn't like the job. I, see. I didn't like the people. It's very high pressure. First of all, the population that you work with, the movers, they're hard to manage. It's not the right people that you want to manage. Um, the customers, you always fight with the customers, all four customers to get more customers. It's constant fighting. I didn't like the cold weather. And I told my American wife that maybe we should move to Israel. She said, yes, I literally bought tickets two weeks later. Um, and it took us about three months. I sold my business. I thought about it. I actually got good advice from one of my close friends who asked me, if you will make a million dollars a year doing moving, will you be happy? And I said, no. Mm. Okay, that's enough. I moved to Israel. 
I could have sold refrigerators because I am I knew that I'm a good salesperson, but I wanted a little bit more uh, in my life. And I think that's a lesson I learned in the moving business. It's repetitive. It's not interesting. It's not changing. At the end of the day, you move apartment, right? So maybe the move is bigger or the things that you move are more expensive. You need to handle them with care. At the end of the day, I want to deal with technology with something that's a little bit more contemporary to the world. So I got into the tech business, to the tech world. And in the tech world, I started as, a, as an SDR, which wasn't an easy move for me, by the way. I was 36 years old. SDRs are usually 25. Yeah. In Israel, they're a little bit older. In the United States, they're 22. In Israel, because of the army and college, and you start things a little bit late, 30. So I was, I had to swallow my pride. I went to a lot of interviews and um, a lot of uh, 23-year-old HR told me that I don't know how to sell and I don't understand sales because I've never sold in high tech. Um, and it wasn't easy for me, but there was one company that took a chance on me. The name is Sibo. And the CEO, after eight interviews, did take a chance on me. And we connected. It was great. And two months later, he said, OK, fine. I see that you're good at your job once you build a team. I was going to say that must have been challenging for you also because one thing you have your age in there as well, I get that, but you were also a business owner for a long time. Like you were used to being at the top of the chain within the company and now all of a sudden you have to work for somebody and that's not, that's not an easy transition to have a boss when you are the boss and you, you have your own company. Like for me with my own company, it would have to be just an amazing job for me to go and take a job with a company somewhere today. I've become so accustomed to, to being the business owner and doing my thing. And then it's, it's, a, it's a big shift, right? And so, um, so you made that shift. How long did you stay at SIBO for? A little bit more than a year. Okay. After a year, um, I moved to a company called Sisense. Uh, they wanted uh, somebody to start and build the uh, outbound SDR or BDR team from scratch. This is exactly what I did. I was very good at outbound. Obviously, I learned that during business. Um, nobody, came, no. nobody came to me. I always had to take it. Right. And this is exactly what I did at SIBO. I read a few books. Uh, I read Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross to actually learn what it means to do outbound and what it means to have a sales organization. And I went to Sisense because it was a bigger company um bigger team i built a team of 12 people there and they pretty much let me do my i had a great boss there she let me do whatever i want like she said okay fine go hire your own people i did not hire from tech i hired people that are like me uh movers djs um tennis players i hired people that know how to work hard well she gave you some bandwidth to... right she gave you some runway yeah she really did it was pretty amazing and these employees, um, these BDRs are now everywhere. They're AEs at Sison, CSM yeah. at Sison. They're team leads other places. They're, they really developed themselves. They did well for themselves because I, I really believe in potential and less experience. And so uh, you're now at Lucia and you've been there how long? Almost two years. Almost two years now. Okay. 
did they find you? Did you raise your hand at the time? How did, how did that transition? Especially when you're, you're with a SciSense where you're happy with your environment, with your boss, giving you a lot of runway to do what you want, plant your own flag, you know, establish what you want to establish. What was behind the decision to move on? Right. So with the SciSense, it was going very well, but Lucia is... I'm going to try not to uh, promote Lucia too much. But as head of VDR, I used a lot of tools for prospecting. Uh, I used Discover or Zoom in for Lead IQ. When I discovered Lucia, I just dumped everything and used only Lucia. Mm. So they knew me because I was their champion. Sisense, by the way, is one of big, Lucia's biggest accounts. Okay. So they knew me. I spoke, to the, I spoke to the head of sales there. And I told them, listen, guys, I want to run a sales team. I don't want to, I want to get out of a little bit of the BDR world. So they said to me, listen, come build an enterprise BDR uh, uh, um, team, and then we'll move you to sales. It's going to be less than a year. I knew that this is something I cannot do at SciSense. Uh, also, I did came into the industry late, the late age. So I felt like this would be a good stepping stone. Like they will promote me very fast and I will be where I think I, I would call it deserve or want to be. Um, and they were right on the money. These guys were very honest with me. And after nine months, they promoted me. And now I'm the head of enterprise sales at, uh, at Lucia. I built a team there from scratch. I did a few projects there that were very uh, great as far as revenue. I started an outbound team there, uh, BDR and sales that added another stream of revenue to Lucia. It was Things are going great here. And you're a family man now with the move back to Israel. Your wife is happy in Tel Aviv. Everything is good. So we live in a kibbutz right outside of Tel Aviv, which is the best way you can do it. Uh, it's like living in New Jersey and working in New York. Got it. But the commute is 15 minutes. Even better. So, yeah. So it's pretty great. Um, I we, drive, we go to the beach all the time. The weather is great. It's kind of hot right now, August. But sooner... So it's going to be um, a bit cooler. I think it helped us as far as uh, COVID and the whole Corona situation because we could leave the house. When you live in an open space in the kibbutz, you have a backyard. Yeah. Uh, so you can leave the house. Also, we went on a, many trips to the deserts with the kids just to get out of here. Uh, it's difficult. Well, Asa, I really appreciate the, the chance to speak to you. Thanks very much for sharing your story here. I, I'd love to ask you one thing as we wrap up here. I always like to ask anybody who's on, uh, you know, you've had a lot of different experiences in your life, uh, both from, from the military to travel to business owner to employee to leader and father and husband. Like you, you have a lot of titles that you, uh, that you've, that you have in your life. Uh, for anybody listening, uh, any piece of advice that has really been given to you that's worked for you that if you had to share, anything come to mind? One piece of advice, whether it be sales-driven or life-focused, whatever it is, anything come to mind? Yes. So the first thing that comes to my mind is know what you don't want to do. Mm. I know that a lot of people people ask me, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I have no idea what I want to do. I really don't. I'm head of sales right now, enterprise sales, which is great, but I have no idea what I want to do. I know what I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do is run a moving business. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to be 
an SDR, okay? And I don't want to be, I was an SDR. Now I don't want to be an SDR anymore. I want to manage SDRs or manage. This is something that I learned how, what I want to do. Uh, what I don't want to do is I don't want to go to low tech right now. I'm in high tech. I'm happy. This is something that I want to do. Yeah. If you know what you don't want to do, make a list of what you don't want to do. You will learn what you want to do and will give you yeah. doing life. I love it. I think that's great advice. I actually just wrote that down. Know what you don't want to do because as soon as you said it, I just popped off about a dozen things in my head. I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So that that that's, clears that part out. Now I can focus on, well, what do I want to do? And it just helps simplify the process. Well, Asa, yeah. listen, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I know it's a dinner time for you. And uh, as, a, as a father and as a husband, I know you're stretched. So thanks so much for being here. I've really enjoyed you sharing your story. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, it was my pleasure. So, okay, everybody, let's wrap this one up here. Remember, uh, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and uh, we'll catch you next week. And be safe, everyone. Thank you.